It's a mixed bag for today's episode. We've got good and bad news about livestock guardian dogs. Sweets the Kelpie may have found a new talent. A book about the science of dog behavior for your winter reading. Goats for sale. On the lookout for a border collie pup. And can bird dogs and chickens live in harmony? Welcome to Farm Dog. This is Farm Dog, the podcast about the working dogs of farming, ranching, homesteading, and rural living. Farm Dog is presented by Goats on the Go, a national network of independent business owners who provide sustainable weed and brush control for their customers using goats. Want to put goats to work on your vegetation problem? Interested in launching your own goat grazing business? The place to start is goatsonthego.com. Welcome to Farm Dog. I'm your host, Aaron Steele. I'm glad that you have joined us today. Uh, I have an episode full of a variety of stuff for you today. We do not have a guest interview, but that's because we have so many things to tell you and to talk about. I haven't given you an update on the the, the dogs of the Steele Farm here in Iowa in a long time, so I want to do that for you. I've got some announcements. I've got some reader mail. Um, all sorts of stuff going on, and today I am going to make a plea for even more input coming up on possible future guests and topics. So just to put this in the back of your brains right now, anytime you have a thought, I would like to hear Farm Dog talk about this, or I'd like to see this discussed, or I know this person who to make an amazing guest for Farm Dog you should be thinking farmdogpodcast.com because that is the place where you can send us a message with all of that really great information. You can also leave us a comment, even a critique on a previous episode that you listened to. Um, You can also buy some branded merchandise on that website. So once you go to farmdogpodcast.com, there's a button at the top that says shop. And when you click that button, you'll have an opportunity to buy uh, branded merchandise, both from our presenting sponsor, Goats on the Go, and from Farm Dog Podcast. Uh, You just need to scroll down a little bit to find the Farm Dog stuff, but there's some great merchandise there, uh, hats and shirts and that sort of thing. So grab some of that stuff up, support us in the process. We really appreciate it. So here's what's going on. Um, Like I said, it's been a while since we've given you an update on on our dogs here at the Steel Farm, so I just thought I'd do that uh, for a bit. We have four livestock guardian dogs on the farm. Uh, Three of them are right here at the home place because they're kind of young, so we kind of need to keep an eye on them, kind of control their exposure to the livestock and that sort of thing. One of the dogs is kind of a master. He's old, reliable, and so he is out at another location uh, about 40 minutes from home uh, on a larger pasture with our sheep herd. I say herd. I know sheep are technically a flock, but I just have trouble switching back and forth, so I like to say sheep herd. Um, so he's out there, he's doing his usual thing, super reliable. Uh, his name is Nico. He's uh, about five years old. He's a Maremma. We bought him as an adult. Um, really, he has been so good that there's almost nothing to talk about because everything is good news. I will say one notable thing about Nico is that I've, I don't know how this dog is still alive. I checked this dog's food. Uh, regularly and it never seems to disappear. He is using a self-feeder on this pasture so only Nico can climb into it. The sheep can't 
and I am amazed at how little he eats to the extent that I've talked to a vet about it. I've had a vet look at him. Um, he doesn't seem to be losing body condition. He's got lots of energy, but I am just shocked at how little a big dog like that eats, especially when compared to the puppies that we have here at home. Um, and I've come to find out that that's actually pretty normal, that livestock guardian dog pups eat like crazy, but once they kind of level out into adulthood, they actually eat what would seem a disproportionately small amount for their body size. So that's been really interesting to learn. I also suspect that Nico is, is finding other things to eat in the pasture, uh, a deer carcass here or there, um, maybe a gopher he kills or a groundhog he kills or some you know oddball things like that. I don't see a lot of, of evidence of that, but I just gotta believe that's happening uh, because he eats so little of the dog food we put out. But he seems to be doing amazing, so um, unless I see other signs of problems, I'm just going to trust that he's getting what he needs. I have um, kind of, based on some of the conversations with our previous podcast guests uh, about dog food, uh, it had been my practice in the past to think, well, it's a big dog. He eats like crazy. He might chase predators a little at night, but mostly he's laying around, so I'm just going to give him the cheapest dog food that I can. Uh, I've kind of reversed that. I've increased the quality of his dog food and the, kind of the potency of his dog food so that when he does come to the feeder to eat, he is getting lots of nutrition uh, while he's there. We did have an opportunity this summer for kind of um, uh, an unexpected experiment with Nico. We are in the middle of what continues to be a really bad drought, especially at the property where uh, we are running our sheep with Nico. Um, doesn't seem to want to rain there ever. And that's been pretty frustrating for us. Uh, that pasture has a great well, good buildings, fantastic fence around the perimeter. It's ideal for running sheep and livestock guardian dogs, but we had to remove the sheep from that spot, go to some emergency pasture that were pastures that were far less thoroughly fenced around the perimeter. And so that gave us an opportunity to learn what Nico would do in that kind of environment. The sheep were pretty easily uh, retained just with some broken down barbed wire fences that were actually already around the perimeter of the site and some additional electric fencing as well, but kind of portable temporary electric fencing. Um, we were a little nervous that Nico would go wandering in that environment, uh, but we would come back morning after morning and find him right there with the sheep as if nothing had ever happened, nothing had changed, and we were super pleased with that. Um, however, we started hearing from some nearby property owners who were catching Nico at night on trail cams, <laughs> not very far from the pasture, but clearly outside of the boundary. So we do know that Nico um, doesn't identify property lines like I suppose we'd love for him to do, but who could expect that of a dog, right? Um, but still quite pleased that his wandering was minimal and kept to what appeared to be perimeter, kind of perimeter patrolling of the area and that he would return to the sheep regularly and be there most of the time. So just so pleased with that dog. I've said it before on this podcast, but if I could carbon copy him and spit out a dozen of them just like him, I would do it. Um, he's just been really good for us. 
on the other hand, <laughs> we are uh, in the middle of a bit of a struggle with June. June is our year and a half old um, Karakachan, Karakachan dog. Um, she is so close to being reliable, but she's like like a four-year-old boy on sugar and caffeine and looking for trouble. And she'll go weeks at a time without any apparent problems. And then we'll see her not um, attacking a, a goat or an animal, but really hassling a younger goat. And typically she finds the weakest, youngest goat in a batch and uh, just starts to hassle it somewhat nonstop. She doesn't has yet to leave a wound or break any skin, but we've uh, been rotating the guardian dogs through a batch of like six, seven month old kids just trying to see if they're reliable, how reliable they are, get them constant exposure to those younger uh, animals and just kind of up the ante a little bit. And like I said, June will be fine for weeks at a time and then we'll catch her doing something to a goat. Uh, we've had some death loss of from that group of kids for no apparent reason other than perhaps stress. You just see signs of stress in them. They're not doing great. Their coats are kind of rough. Uh, for those of you who have raised goats, you're thinking of a thousand different reasons that could be, and believe me, those have all crossed my mind and we've explored those, but I can't help but think that just there's a lot of stress there that June is creating uh, with her presence with those young goats. Um, so, and perhaps that even when we do catch her in the act of something, that's just the one time we caught her and that, you know, she's creating what is essentially a high degree of pressure on those animals all the time when she's with them. Uh, again, just kind of low-level hassling, but probably fairly constant. And that's been a frustration for us. So we're still working with June. I still have high hopes that she's going to turn out, but it is um, a little bit frustrating. A, because my success rate with livestock guardian dogs is not great to begin with. And second, because we have these two younger dogs that are less than a year old, they were we got them as uh, like seven or eight week old puppies in March. Pardon me. They were born in March. We got them later in May. Um, and these pups are Anatolian Shepherd and Akbosh crosses. Looks to me like largely Akbosh, but I know the ranch that they came from has a history with Anatolian Shepherds too. So I assume that there's some cross in there. These two dogs have zero pedigree and they are, I'm just super impressed with them. They're younger than June. They still are making mistakes, but for being almost a year younger than uh, this other dog, they're making fewer makes, fewer mistakes than she is now. Um, and they need fewer corrections and they're just much more laid back. I'm just super pleased with them. Um, so, you know, as any dog owner does when things aren't going well, you analyze all of the things you're doing and try to decide if, try to figure out if there's something you should be doing different or something you did to screw the dog up. Um, that's, you know, so hard to say, but 
I'm feeling really confident about these younger dogs and June, the older dog, is still struggling a little. Um, so it can't be all what I did. Um, one thing I do really like about June though, and this has, you know, there's two sides to this coin. She is fair, she's kind of a small dog for a livestock guardian dog, but it is all muscle and she is super athletic. I mean, she's just a buzzsaw uh, running around the place. And that has good and bad, bad parts to it, but I have zero doubt about her ability to protect herself and the animals if it came to that. Um, she is, you can just see it in her. She's a serious dog if she would just grow up a little bit. She's got um, a lot of potential. So we're not giving up on June yet. And um, I think that we're very close to a breakthrough, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, I'm giving her till she's two years old and we'll see at that point. Um, yeah, so that's the three uh, livestock guardian dogs on our, or pardon me, the four livestock guardian dogs that we own and put to work. Uh, I'm excited for these younger pups. I think I'm going to be able to get them out on remote pastures with animals without daily observation much sooner than I would have expected and than I've been able to do with dogs in the past. So that's exciting. Uh, on to Sweets. As many of you know, if you've listened before, Sweets is a uh, working Kelpie. She's our stock dog. Um, and Sweets continues to be sweet. She always is. She's a great dog to have around. She's great to ride around in the truck with, but she has not proven to be able to handle uh, even small numbers of animals on her own, at least in a sort of a, a gather situation. She's got a lot of balancing uh, natural talent. Um, she wants to go to the head. Uh, she balances very well and she seems like she would make a fantastic gathering dog, but um, she's just kind of hopeless once she gets to the head of animals and once she gets to the other side, um, she's just stuck. And so she needs to be tougher. I don't know that we're ever going to develop that with her. Um, I think Sweets could use a partner. We'll get to that here in a little bit. And so we're just doing the things that Sweets does well. You know, she's an extra presence uh, in the pens when we're moving them from place to place, doing some handling, doing some treatments, that sort of thing. Um, she's very helpful when we're loading, oddly enough. You would think that a dog that is easily intimidated would not be so great in a tight space like a, a loading chute or a loading alley, but is you know, we're able to stand shoulder to shoulder together there. And I'm much more uh, in a much better position to be able to help her out when she kind of gets stuck. It's not a long walk around the other side of the animals to get to her. Um, and she just really likes to use her own senses and her own talent in knowing which animal is going to try to double back when we're trying to push them toward the trailer and load. So that's been really, um, really satisfying and, and useful. It's good to know that Sweets has a use and a role on this farm. I've mentioned in the past that we have been experimenting with uh, no fence virtual, virtual fencing collars. So these are GPS enabled collars. Uh, we're part of a pilot program with the company No Fence. And um, one of the things we've learned about 
that system is that we actually have to gather the animals fairly often. We've got batteries to change and um, uh, things to fix and replace and that sort of thing. And so we are loading goats on the trailer quite a bit. We'll go weeks without having to do one thing with the goats. We don't even hardly think about them uh, when they're out wearing these collars on a pasture. But uh, fairly regularly, we do got to gather them up for some maintenance. Um, and so having Sweets be able to help load trailers is has been excellent. Uh, it's been excellent here as we've been sending some animals to market at this time of year, um, you know, trailering sheep and that sort of thing. So um, that's really encouraging to see, but it may be the most we ever get out of her. And I've, you know, just decided that I'm going to be okay with that and that Sweets has taught me a lot and there's more that she can teach me about stock dogs. Um, and, and that's okay. Uh, however, I did the other day get a little frustrated that I have been without a bird dog for a few years now, and that's been unusual for me. I, I like to hunt uh, pheasants and other upland birds especially, as well as some waterfowl here and there. And I've been without a dog, and it, it finally got under my skin enough, and I looked at Sweets in the kennel, and I said, why not? And we threw Sweets in the truck, uh, and we went hunting. Now, I didn't carry a shotgun. And we didn't go to a place where there are lots of other people and lots of other dogs. Um, but we found a, uh, a prairie area that was sure to hold some pheasants. And it was a beautiful day. And we just went for a stroll. Um, I'd often wondered if a herding dog could make a good bird dog, a flushing dog at least. Um, because Sweets does seem to have a nose. And she does seem to be interested in birds. So... Why not? Uh, we went out there. Sweets had the time of her life. She flushed 10 pheasants. I got a great walk-in on a beautiful day, and it kind of scratched that itch for me a little bit. And it has me thinking, well, can we go the next step with hunting with Sweets? And I think we might. I think the, the strategy here is just going to be to try to let her run and have fun and find birds and smell lots of birds without any expectation at all. That's kind of how we went into our one hunt so far is just no commands. We're just out for a walk. If you find some birds and put them in the air, fantastic. Have fun with it. That's all we've been doing. Um, I, I think the next step is to kind of double down on that, get, the, get her more and more bird contacts and um, perhaps the next two or three times we go out, I might carry a gun with blanks so that when uh, Sweets is super enthralled with scent and with birds flushing everywhere uh, and her focus is on that, I can start to associate that with the sound of the gun so that the gun is not a stressor but actually kind of connected to something positive. So that's probably the next step. And, Listen, my my days of wanting to put lots and lots of birds in the freezer um, are behind me. It's really about the walk. It's about the nature. It's about being with the dog. So I can go at this slowly and see if anything develops from it. One thing I'm I'm seeing already is that we're going to have to polish sweets up on her recall command. I'm not terribly confident that I could call her in from 150 yards with birds flushing all around her. And uh, so we'll, we'll start working on that a little bit more. Um, one question I have for all of you folks who are listening to this, and this is why 
made a point of mentioning the farmdogpodcast.com website. Uh, what do you think this is going to do to sweets? Like, what are your predictions? Is this going to have no effect whatsoever on her? Is it going to build her confidence for herding work here at home or out on the pasture? Is it going to be a problem? Is it going to create more challenges for her herding work? Um, my current viewpoint is, uh, what do I have to lose? I've got this dog. She's um, five years old. We've got years ahead of us together. And if she only gets work when I need to load a trailer, well, she's going to spend a lot of time in the kennel. So we might as well go out and enjoy ourselves together. Um, I can't foresee any new problems that this would create, but some of you out there uh, probably have way more experience with this than me, and you might have some thoughts on that. So farmdogpodcast.com, use the email form, drop me a little message about what you think will happen. Maybe put the subject line in there of um, you know predictions for sweets or something like that. I'd love to hear your feedback. So before I go on from uh, too far from sweets, let me let me say again that I think I'm a little bit stuck because I think that sweets, if she were paired with an, a a bold, uh, experienced dog right now, um, that would help her tremendously. She might just kick right into gear and be way more useful than she has been for me. Uh, but I'm torn on that because um, I kind of want to raise a pup and train it from scratch. So I don't know. I think it's generally really good advice to start with a started dog or, or a trained dog. Um, but I'm ready to start with a puppy, which means if by the time I find a pup that I want to get and I get that dog raised up to where it can start doing some basic work and then start getting some polish on that dog, um, Sweets is going to be an old lady by that time. So they may not ever benefit too much from uh, running together and working together. But I think that that's the direction I'm going to go. I also think that now that I've tried Sweets a Kelpie, she is certainly not like um, the end-all be-all for the breed. So I'm not ready to make a decision about breeds based only on Sweets. Um, I am wide open to another Kelpie in the future, but I think that I'm going to go down to brass tacks and go border collie this time around. So if anybody knows of any good litters coming up out there, um, I'm looking sometime in the next year to probably add a border collie pup to my life. And um, I'd love to start forming some connections in that regard. So again, just reach out to me at farmdogpodcast.com. Just use the email form that is there. So that's kind of exciting for me to have decided that we're going to just go ahead and get a puppy. And um, I feel like that needs to be part of my resume. That needs to be part of my history that I have attempted to train my own uh, stock dog from puppyhood. So any thoughts you have on that would be appreciated. So yeah, Sweets had a fantastic time doing hunting. I'm looking forward, uh, uh, pardon me, going hunting. I'm working forward to doing some more of that getting some pheasants in the air, and we'll see what happens. I also wanted to let you know that I have started a new book, and maybe you would like to read along with me. The book is called Inside of a Dog by Alexander Horowitz. Um, it is, and I have just broken into it. I'm a chapter into the book, 
It is uh, very well reviewed. It is a New York Times bestseller. It is a scientific look at dog behavior, but I've already sensed that it is clearly designed to appeal to pet owners. Uh, so scientific, yes, but pulling in all of those pet owners across the United States and appealing to them is also really smart marketing. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, I think it's going to present some really great information about what we know about a dog scientifically as opposed to what we think we see in our amateur interpretations of dog behavior as we watch them. The degree to which it will be applicable to dog training, I don't know yet. It's one of the things I'm really curious about. So if you would like to read this book with me, I would love to do that. I mentioned that in the past with a couple other books, and I understand, I, I realize that I've never brought them back to you and had any you know real discussion of those books. So maybe we'll have a book club episode sometime in the future where we just kind of break down uh, a couple of the books I've mentioned my thoughts on them and get some of your thoughts uh, via email to share as well. So again, that's Inside of a Dog by Alexander Horowitz. I am looking forward to hearing what you have to say about that. And uh, I'd love to know that you're reading that along with me. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Also, we've been receiving some notes and questions and comments uh, at farmdogpodcast.com. Uh, from listeners, and there's one interesting one that kind of hit close to home for me uh, regarding what's been going on on our farm recently. Uh, that email is from Taven, and he says this, I want to know if there's anyone out there that has hunting dogs that they can have around their homestead without worrying about losing their birds. I have a poodle pointer bird dog, and I want to have feathered stock one day and have him not pay attention to them. Any ideas minus penning him up all the time? Thank you so much for that, Taven. Uh, as I mentioned, I've started taking sweets pheasant hunting, and I love bird dogs. And coincidentally, we just got our first chickens here on the farm. So that is an interesting dynamic, and uh, I really appreciate the message arriving when it did. I would also love to hear if anybody out there uh, in the audience has any comments on this or thoughts on this. But here are my thoughts, Taven. Um, and they're not, these are not expert thoughts, but in my experience, if you want to have a bird dog, you don't want to do anything to dissuade that dog from being absolutely crazy about feathers and absolutely crazy about birds. Uh, to the point of, I would not want to have one moment of scolding or negative pressure directed at that dog while even in the presence of a bird. So I don't, I'm not terribly optimistic, I guess, to be completely frank. I'm not terribly optimistic about the potential for a bird dog to just wander around a farm not paying any attention to the chickens. Now, maybe somebody's listening out there who's, who's thinking, I am not giving the dog enough credit. I have a friend, for example, who has had <clears throat> Border Collies and a Brittany Spaniel and... Um, a Labrador on their farm, wandering around freely with chickens and ducks everywhere, and they act like nothing is out of the, out of the ordinary. And they still were interested in hunting for birds when they went hunting. And I, I do think it's possible for um, dogs to distinguish; like they can apply context. They know going in the truck with all of that hunting gear 
and going out to a field of tall grass is completely different than wandering around the farm. But again, I would just, if I'm going to invest a lot of money and training and effort into a bird dog breed for hunting, I would not want to do anything, even once, that would give that dog a negative association with birds. And I don't know how you, uh, what you do then that first time that your dog kills or chases a chicken. I just think that it's kind of a no-win situation. So separation seems like the key to me. I'd love to hear what the audience has to say. Um, I am actually here at home having a blast with sweets and the chickens because every night when it's time to put the chickens away, I just let sweets out and we do a little herding practice with chickens. Um, as I mentioned, you know, she's a little not quite powerful enough with sheep and goats. Um, and oddly, she has the same problem with uh, chickens a little bit. She gets around the chickens and gets in the perfect position and then I and then becomes what I think you would call sticky. She just kind of stops and doesn't know how to move forward and apply pressure on the chickens. That is until I make the chickens scatter a little bit and then she kind of clicks back into action and starts moving the birds again. So that's been super fun to just let sweets out at night and we gather up the chickens and put them back in their coop and it's fun for both of us. So I don't know, that doesn't really apply to your question, Taven, but I would I would just really be really cautious about not so much having chickens and a bird dog on the same farm, but ever experimenting with the idea that they can just cohabitate and not have any problems. Uh, Poodle Pointer, by the way, is a really cool dog for those of you who are unfamiliar with it. It's P-U-D-E-L-P-O-I-N-T-E-R, all one word, Poodle Pointer. Not poodle like the big curly white dog, uh, P-O-O-D-L-E. It's, uh, I believe, a German dog, a versatile dog in that it uh, is is skilled at both pointing and retrieving and trailing. And um, I'd encourage you to go look up the Poodle Pointer if you want to see a really interesting uh, bird dog. So thank you so much, Taven. I hope that some other people will have comments for you soon and we can get you some more information. Okay, I mentioned earlier on that I was going to be asking for some special help in suggesting or recommending guests for the show. There are several topics that I've wanted to do pretty much since I started this podcast uh, a couple of years ago, and I still have been unable to find the ideal guests to do those topics. And so I'm just going to put out a plea to you folks out there that if you know somebody who could speak authoritatively on any of these topics, send them my way if you would. Again, use the email form at farmdogpodcast.com. Here are those topics. Okay, I would love to talk to somebody about using electric collars, e-collars, for stock dog training. And I don't want to just have, um, you know, the usual, well, if you're doing it right, you don't need uh, e-collars for stock dog training. That's the lazy man's way out. Or e-collars are the best. Um, my dog really needs one. It, my dog would be impossible to train without one. I'd love to hear some of the nuance in between, um, really dig deep into 
what how an e-collar in training affects a dog what methods of e-collar training are useful and beneficial for the dog what are both the pros and the cons so if you know somebody who can kind of speak broadly about that um i i and has used e-collars in training stock dogs i would love to talk to that person also uh even though i have an akbash and i have a maremma I have never done a deep dive into those two breeds. So if anyone knows of an authority on those breeds, on those livestock guardian dogs, uh, that would make a really cool episode, I think, and I'd like to talk to them. Um, We've mentioned those breeds in passing many times, but we've never really dived deep. Same goes for the Commodore, which is a really cool dog. It has you know, started to walk that line or kind of spread outside of the working dog world and that tends not to be a good thing for a breed when it comes to those of us who are um, you know making a living from farms and ranches so it's harder and harder to find somebody who can talk about the commodore as a working dog but um, i would love to find somebody so if you know of anyone please send them my way same goes for Uh, this topic of all of the herding breeds that we all know exist and they're in long lists of of herding dogs but they typically aren't considered to be working dogs any anymore i would love to talk to some folks who are trying to bring some of those breeds back to be real workers to to be uh the kind of working dogs that farmers and ranchers can rely on day to day to get jobs done so i'm thinking um, the Sheltie, the Corgi, Old English Sheepdog, Bearded Collie, and so on. There are many, many others. Those are just a few examples. Um, but anytime I can talk to somebody who's trying to revive those uh, breeds uh, that have kind of uh, become only companion dogs and, and trying to bring them back for their original purpose, um, I think those would be fascinating people to talk to. So also send those folks my way if you know them folks thank you so much for tuning in so far i have a couple more things to offer but i'm going to give you the preface on this a little a little caveat that these two things are kind of self-serving um, you all if you've listened to some of these episodes you're greeted by the one advertisement we have at the beginning of every episode and that's for goats on the go Goats on the Go is my company. We are a targeted grazing brand. That means we use um, our brand and our training and our support helps create small businesses all across the country uh, of, of business owners who do targeted grazing. They use goats for weed and brush control and sometimes sheep for weed and brush control also. I just want to mention that uh, our growing network of affiliates, we call them, Um, is spread out all across the United States. There are over 60 territories in something like 24 states in the U.S. that have a Goats on the Go uh, service provider in them. Um, We are growing rapidly. We have territories available all over the country. If If you own goats, if you own sheep, or if you own one or the other and you're thinking about uh, adding the other species, Um, and you would like to have those animals provide even greater value for you than they are right now, uh, create a second layer of revenue for you, I would love to talk to you on the phone or by email, whichever you prefer. 
Um, we are in the middle of our heavy recruiting season for new affiliates. We're looking towards spring when we will have a big training and conference where all of our affiliates from across the country gather to receive information from me and from my colleagues and from each other. It's a fantastic network, network of people who share information to help make each other better at providing the service and to provide what we think is the, the most professional uh, targeted grazing service available to the public out there. If that sounds interesting to you, let's talk. Um, now is a fantastic time. We can have you up and trained and operating with a giant head start and a bunch of support by spring. Um, so the best way to reach me is to go to goatsonthego.com um, and click on start a business. Or you can send me a message through farmdogpodcast.com as well. And I will get you the information you need and uh, start to schedule a time when we might talk together about that. Finally, um, we here at the Steel Farm in Ames, Iowa have goats for sale. It is that time of year when we have um, good breeding does available um, that have been exposed to bucks and they are looking for new homes. Uh, we can only keep so many goats busy every year uh, at the steel farm and uh, in working doing brush control projects for customers. So we have some really great does available. They are about a third of them are running age does, two to five years old that have bred before. Um, the, the other two thirds are yearlings, older yearlings. So they're getting up toward 20 months old right now. And they have been exposed to bucks for the first time. So they're, they're really great young breeders. We could put together a herd of 60 to 100 to sell um, and have them kidding for you in March. So it's a great opportunity. If you've been thinking of adding goats, um, this may be what you're looking for. Our goats are primarily uh, Kiko goats, high percentage Kiko. There's a little bit of boar and Spanish in their backgrounds. They have been raised in a hands-off way, um, always being um, selected for ease of management and producing twins and kidding primarily by themselves with very little help and being able to do well on weeds and brush out on pasture, kind of taking care of themselves. If that's something that you've been looking for to either uh, bring some new blood into your herd or to get into the goats for the first time, please feel free to reach out to me. Again, just send us a message at farmdogpodcast.com and we'll get back to you soon and um, talk about getting you some really great goats for this for spring kidding. So folks, that's all I have for you today. I'm very much looking forward to bringing you some cool guests in the next several weeks. Don't want to spoil the surprise, but I'm, I'm really excited about it. And um, I want to thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate you tuning in regularly. Um, and we look forward to you listening to us more. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Farm Dog. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes, please subscribe, leave us a positive review, and tell someone about it. Thanks. <laughs>